Welcome to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear our identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. We are back in the booth again. Jay Teresi, welcome back to another episode of Rediscovering Biblical Manhood. Wonderful to be with you, Chica. Glad to be back. And I'm excited. We have finished a wonderful series and now jumping into another discussion that you and I have talked through over the last couple of weeks offline, and that is the power of the tongue, the taming of the words in our mouth, the spirit within us that constantly seems to guide slash hijack the words that are coming out of our mouth. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, Jay? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much we can trace all of the uh, troubles of the world back to the power of words, that's for sure. All right. Well, as we jump into this, listeners, I'm sure that this is going to be an interesting um, journey with us as we talk about what we say, why we say, and how we say it. And then biblically, what is our calling when it comes to the way that we speak? And this all stems back to an interesting conversation that I was telling Jen, uh, that I was telling Jay that I had with my wife this week, where we went from this, if you were thinking between one and 10, you know, 10 being the most excited and or enthusiastic discussion in air quotes, uh, and zero being just a very calm pond. You know, it went from like a two to an eight very quickly. And it all started with one comment out the side of my mouth, Jay. Yeah, I've had the same problem for the last couple of weeks. And my wife was out of town for a week. She just got back a couple of days ago. And I, I kept saying things, not how they sounded in my head, but the way they came out of my mouth. And it would really frustrate her. And I, I had zero intention to do that. And so it's just amazing what we say, how people hear it. Uh, the power of words is extraordinary. And I think the Bible has so much to say about it for that reason, because it it literally is the root of all of our trouble in humankind is what we say to each other. Believable. You wonder, if is that a man thing? Is that a woman thing? Or is that just a sin thing that sometimes we turn it sideways? You know, I think it's our our minds are incredible, right? And they move really fast, but sometimes they're not always fully connected to our mouths. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, Dallas Willard is an amazing author and philosopher of the 20th century uh, in the Christian vein. And people that knew him would always comment about how he took an extra second to respond, like he spoke slowly. And you just wonder if it was his wisdom, like he just put everything through an extra filter, maybe the filter of the Holy Spirit. He just, words didn't flow quickly from him. And maybe that's a good thing, right? I think about him a lot because my problem is that words flow very quickly from my mouth and sometimes they're not connected to what my thoughts are in my brain. (laughs) So true. So listeners, just think about this for a second. Uh, Where do the words come from? Do they come from your heart? Do they come from your brain? Do they come from, oh, do they come from your tongue? And Jay, have you ever heard the phrase, um, or even that kind of, I don't know whether it's faux, we should probably check this out, this idea of the tongue is the strongest muscle in the body. I remember my PE teacher telling me that growing up, that don't worry about your biceps, man, you got to control your tongue. Your tongue's the strongest thing in the body. What, what do you know about that, Jay? No, I, I have heard that. And, you know, as we were researching this, chat GPT says it is indeed not the strongest muscle, but it, t- 
a tirelessly working muscle, which makes it an extraordinary muscle. So helpful chat GPT has the answer. <laughs> Apparently it always does. And so that's that's a curious kind of take on it. If it's not the strongest, it's definitely the strongest working, you said, or maybe the most flexible. Which definitely speaks to the topic of today. So when when you hear tongue, Jay, when you hear speech, what's the first Bible verse that pops to your mind? Well, you know, there's so many Proverbs on this. The thing that blows me away about Proverbs continuously is they're 3,000 years old. <laughs> so we think we've evolved and we're so sophisticated. And if you just read the book of Proverbs, you're like, nope, we are exactly how we've always been. And there's so many Proverbs about how we speak to each other and the words that come out of our mouth. And there's one I love, Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death and those that love it. So if I love my tongue, I will eat its fruit. The tongue has fruit. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've been reading this book lately. So you and I were having this conversation for a few weeks about, man, we keep setting our wives off and we don't mean to be doing that. And my wife had this book sitting on our collective desk, right? Like at our home office, I have a desk, she has a desk, and then we have a collective desk where there's like a computer. Oh boy. And, th and this book has just been sitting there about the power of words uh, by a Christian author. And I, I, I've been looking at it for a few weeks, but it, didn't, it wasn't for me. But I kept hearing Jesus say, like, you should pick that book up. And so I picked it up and I've been reading it. And it is a reminder of the remarkable kind of universal law that God laid mm -hmm. down when he created the earth. And we've talked about this before, that there's a way things work. And when it comes to words, words create and words destroy. And the secular world knows this. God didn't intend it to be used for evil, but people use it for all kinds of things. There's even a whole movie called The Secret, like Manifestation and um, you know, the whole word of faith movement and the Christian thing, you know, name it and claim it. Like the world knows that how a man speaks, how a woman speaks, you can create things good or bad. It just, it's like a, it's like a universal law. And so this proverb is like, there's power in that. They knew 3000 years ago, the way you think what comes out of your mouth tends to come true in life. And you better be real careful about what comes out of your mouth. Your proverbs um, speaks to my proverb, which I would have pulled forward, Jay, which is, um, you know, the, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And when, when you asked me to kind of jump into today's episode, that's where I think we should camp out this week. This idea of we could sometimes be perverse, not necessarily sexual or um, crass or cussing other people out, but more just a negative kind of tone, a negative criticism that comes out of our mouth when we speak. That's where I think we should dive in today because what I found myself doing both internally with the little voice in my head, which is speaking to myself, and therefore what is actually rolling off the most flexible muscle in the body, the tongue, has been this idea of criticism, Jay. And so when I think of parenting, when I think of coaching at work, when I think of talking to my wife, looking around my house, managing my house, I think that there's a very big distinction about the idea of discerning and loving criticism or correction and this idea of unloving correction. It's so incredible. Jesus has a lot to say about words, but he connects it to the heart. 
and mm. where's your heart at? So loving correction, unloving correction draws us back to one of our longest series that we did on the fruit of the spirit. And you can just see that all these things are interconnected, right? Your heart, fruit of your spirit, the words that are coming out of your mouth, the thoughts you're having in your mind, and the thoughts of our mind are going to eventually manifest into the words that come out of our mouth. And where do those thoughts come from? Jesus actually takes this on in the book of Matthew. And he says, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart. So he connects our words to our heart, but then he connects them to our thoughts. And he says, this is what defiles you. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, which eventually come out of your mouth, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony. And here's the big one, because this is the sin that is accepted, slander which can equal gossip. And so, you know, we've talked about this here before as well, not participating in gossip. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? I mean, we're both almost 50, Chica. We know all this stuff. Why is it so hard still to control our words? Why is it so easy to fall into gossip when you're in a small group of people talking about someone that's not there? Why is it so easy to say mean things? Why is it sometimes easier to say sarcastic things, because sarcasm is just a form of fear. It's not okay. It's not funny. You know, why is it easier to do these things? Because our heart is not in the right place. I was doing some reading this uh, earlier this week, and there was a phrase, and I'm trying to quickly check my notes here to, to have a look at what it was. And it was this idea of instead of the person, go after the behavior. Instead of the, the, the character of the person, go after the circumstance or situation when you are quote unquote correcting or criticizing. And and when you bring up Matthew there, Jay, the first, and you know, this is one of my favorite books of the Bible, James, where it says, humble, be, humble yourself before the Lord, he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against another's brothers, right? And this idea of, should we even be, and what does that even mean? Should we never, ever correct or criticize anyone? Should we never call anybody forward to hold them accountable? Because that would be a form of correction. I mean, I think about what it, what is behind this question. And then it comes back to this heart issue that you're speaking about where I feel that the idea of criticizing in a way that you want to be right. Okay, so hear me here, Jay. If I'm in the kitchen and there is a dish that's left out and I call the entire family around the sink to point out the dish, is that truly about the dish? Or is that, is that about me trying to be proud that I found something that shouldn't have happened um, and then pointed out to everybody else? Yeah, I think there's two paths here. You know, one of the things in my career that I have had an opportunity to do is extensive training in conflict management. I mean, like a couple of decades worth. And in conflict management, especially in a professional context, they teach you not to attack the person, but the issue, like the first thing you were talking about. So, hey, we're not here today to talk about you personally, we're here to talk about this behavior of being late, right? And it's a way to diffuse and make someone feel like you're not attacking them, but you're pointing out. And I think there's a, I think there is a time and place for that you're talking about. But then the Bible says, listen, in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, correcting, and training in righteousness. And in the Christian community, now this is the difference. Like when I'm at work professionally and I'm coaching people or I'm correcting a behavior uh, it, they're coming from all kinds of backgrounds and they are not in my circle of friends or in my Christian community. But the Bible's very clear that when we're speaking with a believer, we actually have a duty 
to lovingly correct behavior. Now, this gets real dicey, right? Because you got the whole verse from Jesus around remove the plank from your own eye before you go after the speck in your brother. So you've got to really have the power of the spirit here. But in the Christian community, if you're talking to a fellow believer that you're in community with and they're they're exhibiting behaviors that are wrong because something's out of whack with their character, are supposed to call that out. So sometimes we can say this behavior you're exhibiting is actually stemming from a wrong posture of your heart. Now, that's not something I'm going to say in a professional context to someone I'm coaching for poor work performance. That wouldn't be appropriate. But if I'm in my small group of men and there's a guy who is continuing to look at, I don't know, porn, or he's saying things, he's speaking crassly all the time. I need to, I need to, I am bound if I'm walking in the spirit to correct that behavior. Now, Jesus' whole point about the speck in the plank is before you go do that, make sure that behavior is sound mm. in you. At least that's the way I read it, which is a lot of times the things we don't like about people are what we really are frustrated about with ourselves. And so first, if I, if I, let's just make up a, a thing here, Chica, maybe you're just doing something that is totally out of character for a believer and a man. And it's driving me nuts. The first thing I need to make sure is I'm not doing the same thing and just seeing it in you because I'm hiding it in me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm, if I'm walking by the spirit in that, I owe it to you as your brother in Christ to say that posture of your heart is off and it is affecting the behavior, actions or words that are you know, manifesting in the real world. I really appreciate that that lens, Jay, and, and that idea of the mirror looking back at us when we're frustrated at somebody else. Something else, and I don't know whether there's, there's studies or psychology around this too, something else to add on to that with this idea of mirror. When I'm mad at Jay, I'm actually mad at myself. Sometimes I've worked really hard on myself to clear a behavior or to eliminate something from my life. And it frustrates me when I see Jay because one, I've done it and I've cleared it and now I'm hurtling and, I, and I'm trying to hold you accountable. And two, there's a want for you just to be better as well. Let me put another layer, like another Harry Potter blanket over the top of that that statement you just made. It is very, very interesting when it comes to people that are the closest to us as well. So I think about my wife and the posture that you're speaking about. When I go to correct her, if I'm called to hold somebody accountable, it's even more delicate when it comes to the closest people in our lives, our children, our wives, because there is yet another one, two, three, four layers or filters that we've got to look through. And I heard this really fascinating thing, and maybe this is another episode um, coming up. And it's, did you know, Jay, that there are seven people that we speak to when we're speaking in one conversation? Seven people? check this out. Okay. So the first person is who I am, if I'm speaking to you. Okay. The second person is who they think I am when I'm speaking to them. The third is who I think that they think that I am. The fourth is who they actually are. The fifth is who I think that they actually are. The sixth is who they think that I think that they actually are. And the seventh is all of the junk in between. I sat there and my mind was blown. And if you're lost listeners, good, because so am I. And I think we're going to have to unpack that. But it makes sense, right? Because every time I'm saying something to you, whether you're my best friend, my wife, my child, a person at work, a stranger, I have all of these different mechanisms going off. How do I want to present myself? How do they think that I should present myself? How do I want to represent myself on how they think I present myself? And then reverse all of that. There is all of this muck that is coming as we're layering out what the tongue is. 
Um, and that I believe we've used in the past of I take off my work hat, I put on my home hat, my husband hat, my parent hat, all of these hats is what we're speaking to. <laughs> you know, it's funny, I didn't know you were going to bring up the seven people. And I can't remember the movie, but it just makes me think of this movie clip I saw once. Like, I know that you know that I know that you know that I know that you know. <laughs> like, I love you. That, that's uh, Ben Stiller, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think you're absolutely Global Jim. Right. Lobo Jim. Dodgeball. That's right. Dodgeball. That's right. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I, I was going to say the last piece to all of that is it truly then becomes the game of telephone. Right. And if you've ever played the game of telephone, you know what we're speaking to. So if I'm thinking through all these filters, boom gets to you and it's a completely different message. No, that's right. And then there's the whole science of how much language is unspoken. So the way you say it, the posture of your body, the look on your face, you know, there's all these stats out there. I don't remember what it is like. It's 7% comes from your mouth, 55 is nonverbal. And I believe out of that 38% tone, maybe 37 on a Sunday. So, so you see how complicated this is and why the Bible spends so much time on it in the Old Testament and then why Jesus talks about it and why the epistles talk about it, right? The apostles are getting into it. James, the book of James is almost largely about the tongue and words and the power of it and the evil that comes out of it and the good that can come out of it. And so, you know, as we're bringing this in for a landing, the thing that's been on my mind this week as we've been having this topic is, you know, I'm 48 years old right now. Why do I still sometimes get involved in gossip? Why is it still hard for me not to swear? Sometimes? Why, why do I want to swear when I want to feel powerful? Why I know these things and I believe certain things. Why sometimes does my words get out of sync with what I believe? And like you said, around the people closest to us, they know us the best. So when we try to hold them accountable, they've got a long history of the things we've not done right. And it's easy to whip it out on us, which disempowers us and makes us feel inadequate and brings us back to, oh my gosh, I'm just failing, failing, failing. This thing about words, I mean, you know, it is driving the world and it is driving the world mad right now. Because online, when you have a blind or you can hide behind a post or a comment, it's very easy to quote unquote, well, at least I spoke my mind, Jay. Yeah. And where was that coming from, to your point? So I, I think, based on everything that we've talked about, and it has been a little spidey-webby today, but that's okay. This could go on and on and on for a couple of weeks here. Jay, I think that where we really need to potentially lean in this week as an action step is, let's just focus on one piece. Let's talk about sarcasm, because all men are very good sarcastically. I mean, even then when you said you're 48 years old, it popped into my mind I could make a really sarcastic comment right now about you being 48 years old, but I bit my tongue. No pun intended, right? And so maybe as, as a listener this week, we, we just check in. There's, there's, no, there's nothing but a, a gut check around our sarcasm this week and then really starting to ask ourselves, where is that coming from? And if I put it out on the table or if I keep it in, why did I choose to do that then? And is that me being in control? I love that you brought up sarcasm. Sarcasm is one of those things that enables us to hold people at bay and keep power over them at the same time. And I think it is a, a wonderful invitation to investigate sarcasm. I, I would finish with a couple of thoughts around being 48 years old. I'm reading that book and, and she's about our age when she was writing it. And she said she had started to talk about that. Oh, I'm so old. I'm so this, I'm so that. And, and she said, she woke up on her, I think it was her 45th birthday with that thought. And Jesus said to her while she was laying in bed, you know, if you live as long as you've lived, you have your whole life to live over again. 
but you don't have to go through puberty or your teenage years and you have all this wisdom and maturity. Like he was so kind to her to remind her. She's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like I'm not old. I'm not even like, and I have, this is incredible. Two Proverbs I would leave us with, Chica. Proverbs 15, four, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. I'd love to connect that one to sarcasm because I think sarcasm and a perverse tongue can go together pretty well. And Proverbs 21, 23, here's one I'll be thinking about deeply today. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. And I was thinking back as we were preparing for this about what what might I regret in my life? And I've done a lot of inner healing and I've done a lot of counseling, but most of what I can trace what I would call regrets back to involve words that came out of my mouth. And if I could take them back or change them, that situation wouldn't have happened or wouldn't have happened that way. And so I think, I think the writer of Proverbs here is right. Like if I can guard my mouth, I can keep myself from calamity. Maybe we should send that to our politicians as we head into the election season. I don't know, Chica, but let me kick it back to you to wind us out. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time today, Lord. And we just ask as our listeners close this podcast that our hearts be opened through your spirit, Lord, and that whether it be the, the words of our mouths or the, the depths and inner conversations we're having within our hearts, that we point them to you and ask for your will and your spirit to drive us forward and to bring us to bring you glory. 